Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. Welcome to the Nest of Vipers podcast, cultural chit-chat for know-it-alls, ne'er-do-wells, and nattering nabobs everywhere. I'm your host, Danny Plotnick. Each week on the show, we have an esteemed panel of blabbermouths riffing on cultural topics of the utmost importance. And today, we're going to talk about travel because... Who doesn't like to travel? All right, so let me introduce the panelists. Uh, almost as always, right here, sitting across from me, we've got Tony B. <laughs> up from the basement. Up from, the hall, <laughs> up from my, my bedroll in you the basement. You unlocked the basement door. <laughs> All right, we've got uh, Jack Bulware, founder of Litquake. Hello, hello. Author of Sex American Style. And finally... <laughs> We have Natalia Vekic, filmmaker of great short film, Lost and Found, winner of some like Princess Grace Award for being special. A princess. Winner of a princess, princess award. Is she dead? <laughs> she came back just to give me the award. Wouldn't that be awesome? The, the ghost of Princess that Grace. That would be an honor. And also, since this is your first time on the show, if Anthony at all mentions the Pick-A-Chick chain, William Friedkin, or working in a movie theater, you get to punch him. And that's why you two are sitting next to each wow. other. Wow. The chili, the pan of chili. <laughs> Is this right. a reoccurring theme? You get to grind him up and serve him into the chili bucket yeah. later. No, I've done three stories, and the chili pan has been in every story, I think, wow. at some point. All right. Well, very good. So we're going to, Anthony, we're going to have you kick things off. I guess this is coming basically about at the end of a near, like a full year that I'd spent outside of the country and that I had been down in Morocco and I was trying to actually make my way back to the States. I was broke and, and pretty burned out, actually suffering from near like nervous exhaustion, I think, by the end of the time in Morocco. What led to your nervous exhaustion <laughs> in Morocco? <laughs> Was it the powdery hash or the actual chunk of hash? Qu'est-ce que tu cherches, mon ami? Sheet, chocolate, hashish, hey, Captain America, American Express. Qu'est-ce que tu cherches? What do you want? Hey, Mr. America, Mr. America, what do you like, huh? Sheet, chocolate, hashish. Is that in the Shit. guidebook? <laughs> anyway, I was um, I basically was was so broke and had no real uh, way to get home other than start making my way out of the country by bus. I, I, I took the train back up, you know, to North Morocco, and then at which point, you know, crossed over and I, I got on a bus in Spain, and it was going to take me back to Paris, and it turned out to be this kind of wait 50, a second, you're, you got out of Morocco. Well, I, I, I that got, was easy. Well, r- relatively easy compared to the 50. It was like a 50-hour bus ride that basically was like a local bus that went from <laughs> southern Spain <laughs> and made every stop. We'll be like, stopping every, every kilometer I, in the next five days. What kind uh, of bus is this? I mean, this isn't the, like a... The, the, yeah, the, paint a picture for it. Yeah, give us a little well, more. Well, it, it, it was definitely a Greyhound-style coach. But the thing was the fact that it was stopping like in every little village between southern Spain and Paris, including, unbeknownst to me when I bought my ticket at the time, a detour to Portugal. So we basically, you know, it's like it's, flying southwest, except driving southwest. You know, we like we, you know, to go north, we started off going west, and I was like, oh my god! And all of a sudden, I realized how long this, this bus is actually going to take. In Portugal, we wound up collecting some Portuguese farmers along the way. You know, some Africans wound up getting on the bus at some point, and there were empty seats. And these Portuguese people were basically like sitting in the back of the bus and they wouldn't allow the Africans to sit down. And it turned into this huge kind of racial, you know, outbreak, like with fights and Which violence. Which side were you on? 
I was on the side of like trying to avoid getting hit. Like this, basically this like racial incident broke out on the bus where this woman wouldn't allow this African man to sit next to her. And like all of all the people she was with were these kind of, you know, mid fifties, really kind of stocky, you know, por- you know, Portuguese farmer types, you know, it came to blows like in basically like fisticuffs and people were kind of punching each other and screaming at each other and in French and Portuguese and Spanish. And it was this whole thing broke out in the back of the bus. The bus was moving. Th- this broke out while the bus was moving. Uh, the driver is. The driver didn't want to get involved. <laughs> The, the driver didn't. He didn't know what to do. I mean, he's got three hundred uh, stops to make. You know, for basically the better part of twenty four hours, we were riding on the bus with this like with this situation. Like escape from New York or something like. I mean, wait a second. This went on for twenty four hours. It was. It was. Yeah. It was like a forty eight hour bus ride, and like it broke out. Like it was. We were about a day into it or half a day into I it. I thought. Wait. I thought it was a fifty hour bus ride. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure. By the, you know, I'm sure. You know, it's nervous exhaustion. It's hard to, to keep track. He's feeling it right now. Even he's going. Tell me, but this is happening in the back of the bus because anything that happens on a bus always happens. This is in the back of the bus, and we uh, kids be warned always move to the front. (laughs) So everybody, everybody's completely tense, on edge, you know. Wondering, you know, what, are the Africans are these standing, still standing this whole time? <laughs> well, the, the Africans went and like they eventually took. They were standing for a while, and eventually, when some people got off the bus, they wound up taking seats kind of more around the middle. But it was this whole thing where I mean, words had been exchanged, you know, racial epithets had been hurled. Blow it had come to blows, and so it was this incredibly tense situation on the bus where people just didn't know, you know, if it was gonna, you know, explode again or what. I mean, you know, everybody was really super, and nobody got kicked off this bus. The bus kept rolling. <laughs> it's just like life. Yeah. <laughs> just it's like the U.S. Going. Postal Service. Rain, sleet, storm, fisticuffs, Keep racism. it moving. <laughs> and we came to the, uh, I don't know, we came to one of the one of the borders uh, some, sometime like 2 or 3 in the morning, and everybody was, you know, everybody was asleep, and they came on the bus, like customs officials, and they uh, they collected passports from only six people, the the five Africans and myself. <laughs> How did you get lumped in as like a troublemaker? I was I was a solo traveler suffering from nervous exhaustion. I was obviously so broke that I had to ride the bus, which you know made me some sort of target. So there's a bunch of you know middle aged kind of fat Portuguese farmers. They're fine to go. A bunch of black Africans. Let's see your passport. You, Captain America, <laughs> let's see your passport. And they, you know, they basically delayed us for a couple of hours as they, they ran everybody's passports through. So at this point, I'm, I'm getting dirty looks. People are just like, uh, you know, I can. The ugly American is slowing us down. The slumming it American is slowing <laughs> us down. You know, the anger against the Africans was starting to well up again, as well as me, because. Bus, what country is this? I, you know, I'd actually say this is probably. I'd actually on, say this is, I'm going to go with Spanish-French border. Uh, is there any way we can verify this is any of this place story? In a padded cell. This is somewhere in the northern Pyrenees, <laughs> you know, and I think that they were entering, you know, entering through some small town as well. You know, I think, I think this sneaking is... into the Pyrenees under the cover of dark. <laughs> I think this is no man's land. The bus. We it's like a free travel. autonomous zone. There's like no rules, no government. <laughs> you know, eventually my passport, everybody's passport to return the bus like gets back into action i think we wind up sort of on the uh the outskirts of paris sometime in the early afternoon we're sitting on the bus at kind of a rest stop and everybody's kind of looking out the window and nobody's allowed off the bus you know we're going to be back in action in a few minutes and everybody's kind of looking out the window and we see this this woman um at the rest stop with a french poodle a manicured french poodle and she has white a- black 
It was a white French poodle with the little, you know, the puffy tails, the balls around the feet. A classic poodle. Classic French poodle in France. <laughs> just a, oh. She was eating French fries. It might as well be a postcard. Was she feeding it a croissant? It, 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 might, it should have been a movie because at a certain point, like if somebody like points over, starring you, I don't she, think so. And she uh, she lifts up her her dog's tail and has this bottle of Perrier and begins to shake out the contents of the bottle of Perrier on her dog's asshole and just like kind of pouring the water. Like the, we, we we had seen the dog actually take a shit. And the woman, you know, like bagged bagged it up. It re- it up. Wait a minute, she bagged it up in Paris? No, lie. That can't be true. She, she must have been at an American. Her, <laughs> bagged it up. This is not a, a French stop. woman. Lifted, <laughs> a lifted up her dog's tail and poured a bottle of Perrier on it to wash off her dog. And at that point, the Africans, the Portuguese, <laughs> the Spanish, the Americans, everybody on the bus completely joined together in universal laughter. Nothing like a period asshole washing to bring children of the universe together. It's like a canine Cathartic bidet. universal laughter over this French woman you could all now douching hate her the dog's French. ass. And, you know, that was... Uh, it's great how you can come together over stuff like that, you know? You know, I think we all learned a little something that day. <laughs> wow. I mean, was the whole bus just kind of hooting out the window? Like, Did she hear you or see you? Parade. No, it was what it was like. The, the windows, the windows were sealed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sealed. Well, and then it was one of those two where they, they were showing us videos. You know how you get on those Greyhound videos, and then they were they were showing us dubbed movies at ear shattering volumes, and there was no way that you could you know turn off the sound, and there was no way you could avoid looking. It was basically every, I don't know. It was it was the most hellish hellish bus ride I've ever been on. And at the but boy, what an end! You know, at that point. I mean, these people who were, were mortal racial enemies and who had come to blows on the bus were completely cracking up, belly laughing, backs, everybody was, you know, they just uh, roaring, roaring with laughter, so joined together. This is a traditional Hollywood ending. Everything really came back together <laughs> Ties again. it up in a bow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really. It's like an ad for Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> So clean, you can wash your dog's asshole. And it unites everyone. Everyone can get behind a nice, refreshing bottle of Perrier water. Natalia, can you top that? I can't really can. I don't think anyone can. I think you made up that last part of the story. I, I'm telling you, man. You it, made it, up the whole story. <laughs> it was actually uh, the Finnish glacier water, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was vitamin water. Well, mine starts in the armpit of California, Modesto, California, where I grew up. Mm. I'm 16 years old. You're 16 now. No, I'm 105 now. <laughs> I was 16 back then. And I go to the, yes, the reggae sunsplash at the Berkeley Greek Theater. Fantastic. Have an amazing time. Did you I'm a big pot smoker at the time. And Huffing I decide looking you, you, had, you had your mom drive you to Berkeley, <laughs> drop, drop you off. Me <laughs> mom, I'll be did back you, uh, in five What did you hours. look like back then? Could you describe what you looked like? Were you like a dreadlocked? Dirty, dreadlocked. Some sort Half of like crusty. Northern California yeah. <laughs> punk, hippie, punk type punk, hippie. Crunch. So free. Smelly. Were you smelly? Patchouli? I was a kid. No. Nug champa? No. No patchouli. <laughs> I was definitely hanging out with hippies and punks. So it was that cro- that Northern California crossover. So I'm leaving the Reggae Sunsplash show. I have my mind kind of blown. And I decide, you know what? I'm going to go to Jamaica. I'm going to stop for some Perrier. <laughs> I'm going to... 
I'm gonna get the hell out of it. To go to Jamaica. Well, there were these flyers for the reggae sun splash in Jamaica, and I was That's like, "That's how they hook you in." Yeah, they get you to show yeah. in Berkeley, and they hook you in. It's the cult. And I decided, you know what? I'm gonna leave my shithole town. I'm 16, and I'm gonna go I gather some of my friends. We decide we're gonna raise the money over the spring. I dropped out of high school already. Big sales. I had a three-prong attack that I'll tell you about. I proceeded to tell my Eastern European mother, who is an immigrant, that I'm going to go to Jamaica. And of course, she says no. But she says, if you can raise the money yourself, you can go on this trip. Like world's finest chocolate or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Would you like crackle or almond chocolate? <laughs> I'm selling a subscription cars? to Grit. <laughs> The seed packets. Of course she says this knowing full well that I probably won't raise the money. I'm a total burnout loser. Of course I'm not going to raise this money. Of course I'm not going to go. But I design a three-prong attack to get myself to Jamaica. The first one is getting an exciting job as a maid at the Best Western in Modesto. You can fleece people. Wearing a smock and getting up every morning to go clean crappy hotel rooms after parties in Modesto. So did you steal money? I didn't steal money, but I had in my head that people would tip me, which they actually really don't <laughs> with, invest with Western partly unused bags of meth. <laughs> <laughs> this glassine bag is in Modesto. Oh. It was pretty much a down and dirty job, but I thought I just kept imagining myself with a big bag of pot. That was the dream on the beach in Jamaica <laughs> and going to the reggae sun splash. And it kept me going through all those down and dirty mornings. My second prong of attack was wait, selling. Wait, can, in, can you further <laughs> describe any of these Modesto motel room after? Yeah, like, who are these scenarios? people? Who stayed? Well, the best I mean, Modesto, Modesto. It's sort of the mi- middle of the state. It's kind of it's halfway hot, to nowhere. It's, it's really dingy. Hot. It's, it's, it's basically where everybody stops on the way to going to cook their meth and sell their meth. So my second prong of attack, I decide that I'm not. We were trying to get some sell. funding from the town of Modesto, so I think this is going to help us out. <laughs> I'm going to also sell LSD, which, as we know, in the <laughs> 80s, was not a really big moneymaker at $2 a hit. But, you know, that's a popular Clearly... uh, uh, fundraising <laughs> scheme for young peace punks. You, know, you were definitely in the curl. Was, you were living the life. It was you my were. early entrepreneurship. I, was... oh, well, I like that you had a three-pronged attack. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just some foolish, I'm going to go get a job. No. I'm going to go sell no, 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 drugs. No. In Florida, for, for school trips, they would they would. Oh, wait, you mentioned you. Florida. Hit him, hit him. No, <laughs> they, they, they would actually, they would make you um, do inventory for like department stores during the summer, like to raise money for school trips. That was like. Wait, the, wait who would make who do inventory? The what, schools, you're just walking down the street. Schools would arrange for their students to do inventory at department stores like Montgomery Ward's. You know, you'd have to go and do, like, inventory. The but did they make them sell LSD to try to raise money? <laughs> isn't it a lot easier I mean, just to go the, sell acid yeah, rather than count, it, like, stacks of fun? shirts? Like, why would they, why would they have I don't know, given the inventory? choice, wouldn't you just... Yeah. Uh, we've yeah. got two pair of the Ferris slacks in a size 35. <laughs> uh, well done, Anthony, here's a dollar. <laughs> My third prong part of the attack was that I were you a good acid salesman no because I was doing most of the acid and everybody I was trying to sell to were my friends they were always needling me for lower lower, oh yeah talking you down it's like being an alcoholic bartender isn't it yeah or a heroin addict trying to be a dealer (laughs) not a good idea third prong of attack came to me because I was going wait 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 can anyone guess what the third prong is 
Well, let's see. There's the, there's the lit, legit job. Uh-huh. Obviously, isn't bringing that much. No tips. There's the acid, which is getting munched for free. Right. Which, there's not much money there. Uh, I I don't know. Modesto. The last one's cook and math. Good. All right. Cook and math. That's a little too advanced. That's a little later in you your twenties. I think. Yeah. <laughs> to do you that. need to know a little something about chemistry. And yeah, I did drop true. out of high school. So third prong of attack is I'm going to a lot of parties. It's the armpit of California. There's nothing to do. There are keggers, beer parties, parties, parties all the time. Parties can at the bank. collector. Yes, you got it. And, that's and, right. And the can and, and you're that's getting a penny. Very was it a penny lucrative. Can back then, <laughs> it's probably like a half a cent if that's possible. I think so. so I think it take friend, forever to get airfare to Jamaica. So my friend, I used to, when I was in college, we used to kind of cruise <laughs> through the libraries. It was but it was ten cents a bottle in Michigan. Again, and we would, on an average night, we'd pull in about 10 bucks. But yeah, think about all Bell. the parties that I was going to. And just think about a montage. This is a movie. I'm going to parties at night. I'm throwing cans into the back of my friend Danny's car. We're taking and turning those in. We're dropping acid. I'm working in the morning. I'm kind of locking the doors occasionally and taking cat naps because I'm hungover. The whole spring is progressing. I'm raising some money. I get my money to get. I really do get my money together. And what's, what's the most popular beer can that you picked up in Modesto? I think what's it the was brand? A Berg, Bergy Burgermeister. Berg, Bergmeister. What, yeah, yeah. Was it Burgermeister? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was the most popular. And then I, 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 I believe I believe this story, unlike other people's stories, oh. there in the table. They had some good. So I go to the, okay, so there's no internet. There's no getting your ticket online, checking for tickets. I get. Yeah, go to a, go travel agent. to a travel agent. I had inquired about these airline tickets months before. And so I'm thinking, I've got my money. I mean, I have basically all I need to cover this airline ticket. I can kind of keep working, but I need to get it in advance. Little did I know that rates for tickets quadruple over the summer. So suddenly, I do not have enough money. But being determined and imagining myself at the Reggae Sunsplash, seeing myself... Surrounded by Rastas, I walk outside the door of the travel agent and I think to myself, what can I do? How can I still go on this trip? And I look at a poster and at the time, Greyhound was having a deal. I think it was $49. Short-lived airline. (laughs) Greyhound has really cheap tickets to Jamaica. Listen, like, listen, is listen. Is it an underwater bus? <laughs> it's a super bus. Listen to like me. The Anderson, uh, hey, who remembers listen the movie The me. Big Bus? Remember that? The nuclear-powered bus oh, yeah. had the you bowling alley on it. You guys have no imagination or determination. So I was going to take the bus from Modesto to the tip of Florida and just pay for an airline I think you get to Jamaica. hit her if she mentions Florida as well. <laughs> no, no way, because I'm only going to mention it as a all detour. Right. So basically, my big plan, and I was supposed to do this trip with three people, all of who bagged out on me. Someone ended up going, but they ended up taking an airline ticket all the way. So now I was 16, and I was taking the bus by myself all the way from Modesto to the tip of Florida, and then going to take an airplane to Jamaica. My mom, thank God she's an immigrant and doesn't know anything, didn't know. <laughs> These damn the immigrants don't know anything. Ouch. Ouch. I mean, she's just kind of naive. Exactly. She's like, I want to say this to me. She's like, she's kind of naive a certain, about certain things. She's a teetotaler, never seen pot, never seen ecstasy. She doesn't Vodka, know however. what a cesspool the Greyhound bus is. She what has country? no Russia? idea. She's from um, Serbia. Serbia, huh? She has no idea about the Greyhound bus. So you went from here to Florida on the bus? By myself. I've done the reverse trip. Hellish. Hell. 
hellish. But at the time, not for me. I'm 16. I get to it's leave exciting. You're Modesto. Seeing the country. Going through the South. I'm going. Yeah, I'm you going get to see a lot of America. It's sea level. Hello, Alabama. <laughs> the state of Texas for what seems like five days. And of course, as we know, the bus has everything going on. Drug use. Some um, racial incidents. Partying, Portuguese farmers. Racial incidents. People giving um, birth. Sexual encounters. <laughs> sexual encounters in the bathrooms. But my favorite part of the bus trip was this is when you could still smoke in other parts of the country. And well, right before, country, right? no, not in California. You oh. would get on the bus in California and no one could smoke. As soon as you crossed into Nevada. <laughs> no, you crossed into Arizona and the minute you got to the border, every freak on the bus would move to the back of the bus, get their cigarettes out, get their lighters up, and just wait. And the minute that the like the bus driver announced, <laughs> you are we're now free in to Arizona. Smoke. Everybody would light up their cigarette and just uh, have like a massive smoking party. And it was party. like what the last five rows or something. Totally, was, like, the little... all everybody in the really back of the bus. Was there a smoking section? <laughs> yeah, was there a smoking section? Yeah, it was the yeah, back. It was the everything they, happens on the back of the bus. So I finally get to Florida. One of my friends is meeting me. I've taken this bus ride all by myself, and I finally get to Jamaica. And it's almost like my dream instantly comes true because I get to this place. I'm still by myself because people Welcome are coming to Jamaica. Later. Here's a bag of pot. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what happens. Practically at the airport, I get to the place I'm staying, and we'll call him Robbie, the pool boy. Like, pretty much. <laughs> you're you're going to call part. Robbie Robbie? Oh, man. <laughs> He's going to. This story's really going in a different direction now. <laughs> the pool There's boy. There's a pool boy involved. <laughs> God, I'm getting like a night of the iguana. Is that a bad thing to say? (laughs) He is a young boy. He's like 16 years old. I can call him a boy. He's my age. Robbie, the first thing he does is offer me a bag of pot. And I think I am home. I basically decide that I'm going to roll my usual California pinner. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then he proceeds to roll a joint the size of my head. And pretty much for all... (laughs) Yeah. Cheech and Chong (laughs) size. That's pretty big, isn't it? So... The reggae sun splash is happening, and there's a buildup. It's like a four day event. I don't know if any of you have gone. Can't say anybody. No, no, anybody no, reggae sun splash? That would 16? be no. All I've right. been I've been to one in California. All right, you admit that. That's good. I'll admit it. Yeah. Um, as the days progress, things are winding up because the bigger acts are on Saturday night. The acts that such you as. I don't remember that, though. Nobody remembers. <laughs> like, in the Were the, the whalers involved? <laughs> it has to be. Yellow Man and the whalers and, like, what are the other, like, five acts? The children of Bob Marley. <laughs> yes, I think yeah. there, wa- there were children spawn. of Bob Marley. So, increasingly, the acts get supposedly better and better, and by Saturday are the big acts that you've come all the way across the country to see. How many people are at this thing? 50,000 people? I mean, it's huge. It's is there a, a lot of Americans, event. or are you the only American? International. Saturday night is the big night. I've taken this trip across the country. I'm there. I'm there to see these bands. I basically get there, and we get there really early to be able to get seats near the front. There are no seats, actually. It's just... You try to get to the front. And basically, we sit next to some Jamaicans, and they start passing joints the, around the again. Dutchie. <laughs> Dutchie. Um, oh, uh, you, but, wait, wait, oh, <laughs> what were they called? Youth um, something, youth, musical, musical, musical youth. youth, thank you. 
they start serving up something that they've made themselves, which is this Jamaican rum. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, is this a good idea to start drinking? Are you really thinking that? You're like, no, hey, yeah, hand it over. I think Robbie the pool boy. <laughs> Visions of Robbie. At which point the acid dealer has a moral is quandary. <laughs> the crunchy acid dealer girl from California suddenly is it a Baked out of her mind. <laughs> But I did have that moment, like, should I be drinking this homemade rum? What's in it? Like, what's going to happen? And Why I'm, does that work? Aren't you worried about, like, you know, what their stink butt is? That they- no, no, because I've already tasted all of it all week. But homemade rum, who knows what's going on? I make everybody else drink it first, and that okays it for me. They seem to be standing. It's all good. It's called tolerance. At which point a, uh, a Peter Tosh with angel wings appeared on her left shoulder. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't drink the rum. Basically, within probably a half an hour, something happened the way it usually does when you're drinking too much and smoking too much pot, where time collapses in on itself and the aperture shuts down. But it didn't shut down really slowly. It shut down really quickly. And suddenly, everything went dark. Were you dollying backwards while zooming in? No, I think I was just stopping (laughs) down really quickly. Did you miss Peter Tosh? So you drank the rum. I drank the rum. And there was something in it. I drank lots of rum, and there was something in it. See, I think you're only questioning that decision after the fact. I probably just took the bottle and drank it. And you have to. It would be rude not to drink it, right? Absolutely. Whenever whenever I'm in those situations... I Isn't say to myself, it etiquette? would be rude of me to turn <laughs> I down. I can't have Robbie the pool boy mad at me. <laughs> Isn't there a drug etiquette? You I didn't want the Moroccans. I didn't it. want the Moroccans getting mad at me at a certain no, point. I when said, in Rome, you know, I said it's easier to, to just say yes. <laughs> Basically, what I felt afterwards is this pounding in my skull and this intense heat in my body and sweat. And there was no noise around me. I mean, obviously, go to concert with fifty thousand people around you with that you big feel hump like. and bass. <laughs> and I looked up slowly, or maybe I should say that I lifted my head slowly and looked around and it was bright sunlight and there was no one around me. I was on a piece of cardboard floating in a sea of mud because I had passed out the night before. I was going to say, I think it wasn't just like maybe three days later. It had had rained. Were you still in Jamaica? I was still. (laughs) No, this is actually my head. Um, Dominican Republic or something. And one of the Mariel boatlift vessels picked Natalia up in the water, at which point she was repatriated to the state of Florida and got enrolled in my high school. And Natalia and I have been friends ever since. And she took inventory at the Macy's that afternoon. I think it's I think the Ferris Lax powder blue. I've got five. So you're in a field of mud by yourself on a on a little piece of cardboard. Floating on a sea of mud on a piece of cardboard. I had passed out before any of the big acts had happened. Oh, the only people walking around were the people who were taking down their stalls. And my friend had gone to get some juice. And people all night had tried to wake me up. But I was not to be awoken. I had missed the entire night. Missed the entire show that I came miles and miles to see. So your friends just basically said, let's just leave her there. No, no, no. They were there. They just had like spent the night there with me. I mean, the Mm -hmm. shows end at 4 or 5 in the morning. And they had gone to get some food. They were probably 
finally done trying to wake me up. And I have to tell you that since that time in Jamaica, I really don't smoke pot anymore. Maybe I shouldn't drink any well, rum drink anymore. The rum. <laughs> yeah, I but also I think don't it's like pot. The, the extensive quantities probably either. You know. I have traveled since. I've made a lot of <laughs> stupid travel decisions, but I don't smoke pot anymore. Well, this is a, it's a, it's a moral story. Great for the youth of America. Yeah. Get it? Hear that. Yeah. No, I think every crusty punk on Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley should hear this story. You know? <laughs> Scared straight with the <laughs> Italian package. <laughs> Listen, also, kids. I live to it's tell. A, it's a story about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, by, isn't it? Well, Determination, it's a, it's a getting American yourself entrepreneurial somewhere. Spirit. It is, America. It's an immigrant story. In a way, you know? <laughs> Tremendous, and uh, Jack, you you get you get involved with Greyhound with your story today. Yeah, don't you? my uh, my takes place in uh, the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada. Mm. Oh yes. I don't know if I'd ever been to Reno in my life, but I'd always seen the ads in the paper, and I thought uh, I'm here in San Francisco, and I'm not doing anything for Christmas because my family lives elsewhere, and I didn't have anything to do. I also had to write a column for uh, the SF Weekly newspaper at the time, and I thought, wouldn't it be clever? <laughs> to go to Reno and write about one of the really awful casino shows, Eddie Money, as a nice, uh, <laughs> as a nice uh, Lewis. Uh, Christmas sort of tale. So I thought, great, and I convinced myself this is what I'm going to do. And so, better yet, you convinced the people at the Weekly. Were they actually underwriting this trip? They covered some of my expenses on the back. So end. you didn't have to sell acid on the back of the bus. <laughs> no, no, no. I uh, I went to the Transbay Terminal in downtown San Francisco. I uh, bought a ticket on the Mike Lee Was it the, casino uh, bus, but the Mike Lee party bus is really an essentially a van that's like uh you know it books out of chinatown <laughs> and yeah so i get on this bus this little van and we start cruising to reno on the day before christmas eve the 23rd and there's tinsel hanging on the railings there's about six people on the bus all how loners. large is the bus oh it's probably seats 20 people a lot of loners Going to Reno for Christmas. Gamblers. It's, it's not a big hot family destination, I think, at that point. Uh, they're playing a Michael J. J. Fox movie uh, on the video. And That's heartwarming. Um, yeah, this is how it begins. Okay, so we, we we get to the casino and they give you a little free chips, you know, when you get yeah, there. You get your $10. Exactly. Worth of, so uh, the, the gamblers all file out and, and just splay out into the casino and disappear, and I never see them again. So. I go to get a hotel room, very inexpensively priced hotel room in downtown Reno. The 7-Eleven? <laughs> it was pretty bad. Open it 24 was, hours. There was a mattress. I remember a mattress. Uh, it's so, And I open the paper. I go, okay, what am I going to see? What am I going to review here? In, uh, oh, you didn't even know. No. That was part of it. I, I, I purposefully just thought, I'll figure it out there. I see Dick Clark's Rockin' Christmas Eve. At Tahoe, and I think Talk about that's going to be on the Christmas. stupidest thing I could possibly see. I'm going to go. So I asked uh, somebody in a, in a hotel, like, how do I get to Tahoe from Reno? As everyone knows in California, it's on the opposite end of the lake. So they said, oh, you just take this bus. So I, I'm on this bus to Tahoe, and everybody's got their Christmas packages. Everyone's in good cheer. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Bus driver is dressed as Santa Claus. Uh, he could have been in his mind, um, but it starts to snow. So we're going on and on, and they stop and put on chains, and it starts to snow, and it continues to snow. And I find out later, much later, worst snowstorm in 40 years. And it's the, fucking deep outside. So And the, the Reno bus, to Tahoe trip is 45 minutes. Yeah, right? it's, I mean, it's really short. Quick. It's like 20 jaunt. miles or something, you know? 
Uh, so we stop on a mountain pass, and the bus can't go any further. Donner Christmas party? It was. <laughs> about People got so angry and fed up. We were on the ridge for seven hours. And people wow. were like, fuck this man. And they get out of the bus, and they start walking to Tahoe down the slushy <laughs> highway. And there's no snow plow. And people are like talking on their cell phones. And people, guys behind me are talking about a golf course in Arizona. I mean, it's just hell. So finally, uh, they somehow they clear the road. We get to Tahoe. It's past midnight. Dick Clark is in bed. The show's over. <laughs> I have uh, like three Heinekens and a steak. And I just call my uh, family. You know, I look out the hotel room and I go, this is the worst fucking Christmas I've ever had in my life. And it seems and so can... clever when you, <laughs> oh, yeah. when you start it off. Well, so I thought, I've got to redeem myself. So I take the next bus back. The road's magically cleared by this time. I get to Reno like that. Uh, I go back to my hotel room. I open the same newspaper and I think, here's a show I can This review. newspaper really worked for me last time. I know, or whatever. <laughs> that, one of those little entertainment things. Uh, and it was um, a Blues Brothers tribute act called Rubber Biscuit, appearing at the El Dorado Casino. And I think, that's it. That's what I'm going to go do. So I, I go to make everything better. This is the Chris- tribute to the... It's like the Crystal Ship tribute. Yeah. <laughs> the tribute to it's the actually, tribute. It's a tribute of a tribute of a blues band. So yeah. I wonder if there's going to be a tribute to Rubber Biscuit someday. Yeah. You know, like, the classics of Rubber Biscuit. So anyway, I go, I go to the El Dorado. There's like a, a little you know room, showroom there. And... They come out and like, yay, the Blues Brothers, Rubber Biscuit. And the band's like playing, da 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 That's all on tape, of course. There's no live band. <laughs> There's no band. And these two guys in like a black suits and in white shirts, you know, dancing little cocaine shimmy dance of Belushi and Ackroyd. And I know it's a tribute act. shimmy dance. <laughs> you know, Belushi's still alive and Ackroyd's skinny. So this is the earlier part of the Blues Brothers career, <laughs> yeah. right? And there's about 15. Better than the later part when one of them's dead and one of them's fat. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and corpse up on and it, it was a different kind of shimmy dance. At that <laughs> it was. And I was kind of taken with this because it was pretty pathetic. I mean, they're coming out and there's 15 people in the audience. And they're like elderly couples. Who's there on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve in a yeah. casino watching the blues? I don't think these people even knew what the Blues Brothers was. <laughs> they were just kind of there, you know. And so the band does their thing and they do all these really stupid jokes, you know. Uh, they say, ladies and gentlemen, quick impression of John McEnroe on his wedding night. And uh, the uh, Ackroyd character goes down on his knees and says, it was in. You know, just jokes <laughs> uh, like that. It was like, bada bing, bada bing. So they, so they work feeling... in their own fresh brand of comedy oh. into the, oh, that's Now, a, are you at all feeling that twinge of profound sadness for yourself or them watching Or humanity. Unfold? Listen, it gets even sadder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, right now he's having a good time. <laughs> so they, they do their thing and I'm thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is is a story. I'm going to write about the freaking rubber biscuit band, you know? So they finish the show, the curtain closes, and it snags on a stage monitor. Jack's kind of doing sort of jazz hands throughout the whole story here, by the way. The curtain snags and just hangs there, snagged, like, yay, show's over. So I go up and talk to them, and uh, and they're like, all excited, you know? (laughs) This is the first time they've ever been interviewed, I'm sure, you know? And uh, so I talked to the guy named Brian, who's the the ersatz uh, Belushi character. And he's like, great, you know, uh, Elwood can't, he's really sick. He actually threw up into his hand after he walked off stage. <laughs> so not unlike the audience. He won't, be, he won't be hanging out with the rest of us tonight. I'm like, okay, fine. So we sit and talk and he just say me, you're from San Francisco. <laughs> he tells me about this like incredible network of uh, tribute bands throughout the casino world. Like 
They know it's like an underground other- subterranean world. Yeah. They, it's like a world you and I never go to, you know. And all they're the like casinos are connected with underground tunnels. They're never allowed to see the light of day. Just tribute bands keep popping up like whack a mole, and they say that Corvette conventions are really good to play because everyone gets really drunk, gets really into the show. I'm like, oh, what, what, what about the proctology convention? <laughs> oh, man. So so he says, well, look, you know, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, uh, nothing. He goes, you know, uh, call me up. Uh, uh, I'll get the Jeep and I'll give you a tour. <laughs> Is this Christmas Day? <laughs> I'll get the Jeep. Are you getting Christmas Eve? <laughs> so wait, but you're getting the tour on Christmas Day? On Christmas Day, uh, Ursatz oh. Belushi picks me up in the oh. Jeep. He, he too has no family <laughs> or friends. <laughs> I know. Not surprisingly, the Ersatz Belushi has nothing to do on Christmas. <laughs> so we drive around. Is he dressed in costume when he uh, picks not, you up? Not on the following day. No, he's just like uh, just I, a Joe Schmo. So I we like drive around. A Jeep. I don't know why. That's just we nice. drive around Reno. See, I believe this story gives it the Jeep touch. We drive around Reno, and it's it's like slushy and dirty. It's like that dirty slushy color everywhere, and it's like empty. It's the most depressing. Are you are you are you in seen. Reno or Tahoe? What's that? Are you in Reno or Tahoe? We are in Tahoe. Reno, biggest oh, city right. in the world. So we go to uh, a couple of casinos that he thinks are really interesting. There's a Sammy Davis Jr. wall of memorabilia. There's uh, a world- I think Natalia just threw up into her hand. <laughs> There's a World War II uh, memorabilia museum with like old bomber uh, clothing from World War II and sure. a couple of old vets having cocktails. We go to like a, they're part uh, of the display. Are, we you, go to, are you drunk at this point, or how are you? What's your internal? How are you maintaining? He only had three Heinekens and a steak <laughs> the night before, and so now I'm like I'm completely you know when I get in a situation like this I'm just a walking microphone I'm on record I can't believe it I'm not judging any of it just yet. Do you feel you'll be you'll, you'll be judging later? <laughs> There's plenty of time to take it all down. Do you feel <laughs> captured or trapped at any point during this uh, tour? Or do I knew you it was like... a ride. I knew it was like where's this going? Okay. I want to find out what's going we went to another casino that had like you know wagon wheel chandeliers and there was like four locals playing the slots christmas day you know and he goes hey uh uh you know i I," and i said god this is like the really like the downside of las vegas isn't it you know and he goes it's basically conquered with tits you want to go see my guitar player he used to play with eddie money (laughs) all right yeah okay so we take the jeep we roar out of uh, reno and we go out in the middle of nowhere like this field that's like snow and fence posts. And it's one of those places where you think, you know, when the spring thaw comes, they're going to find a couple of bodies here. It's like that creepy sort of landscape. So we, we eventually we get to a trailer court. We pull into the trailer court in the Jeep. You know, a trailer court. Of course, a couple of dogs just go ballistic at us. You know, and the guy opens the trailer. Shut up! And, hey, come on in, man. And so we go in and... Uh, there's like a guitar player. Don't you love when life is just just a stereotype? It's like weird. That, you know? It's weird. It's it, it, so so the uh, the guy's wife is named Lois. I remember, and she had a cup of soup and a cigarette on Christmas Day. She, she was a, a casino waitress, She's and he had over. one of them electronic bracelets from the jail, <laughs> giving him a leave on Christmas Day. The trailer was this total mess. This, he took and he took him out back to the utility shed. <laughs> Dick Clark. <laughs> Was That's sitting, why was That's sitting by himself. <laughs> um, so th- we we sit down and they're like, "You want to?" So, uh, we crack open the Budweisers because it's Christmas Day. 
Got to celebrate. The good stuff. You got to break out the <laughs> not, top not, shelf. Not the burgie. Not the burgie. Not the burgie. We, we moved some dirty laundry off of the sofa so we could sit down. And it's Did you have to move the dirty laundry? Uh, yeah. Did so you have to fold hand, it? One hand. They weren't doing laundry that day. They were both kind of tired. Uh, but the sofa was tired. It had the saggy, you know, total like a... You know, sleazy musician furniture, basically, you know. So we sit down and they start telling me more about like, you know, wow, what a great thing, you know. You know, and, and then the topic turns to, and I hate to bring this up again. Timeshare. <laughs> <laughs> no. Perrier and Poodle. And no, again. No. The topic turns to vomit. Oh, and fantastic. the Ersatz Belushi oh, has, has a great story. Has a great story about seeing Joe Wait, no, Cocker. We, no, now we need the, the sound effects. Uh, the Ursatz uh, the, the, has a great story of seeing Joe Cocker on stage with a that, bucket. That makes sense. With a bucket, singing a song and turning and launching into the bucket and setting it down and continuing the song. Wow. Uh, the other guy has an even better story of the drummer for 38 Special. 38 so Special. So caught up in you. Oh, wait, we can't sing any musical segments. Uh, well, I think you can. Podcasts. I'm only yeah. he can? Oh, yeah, only Anthony can. <laughs> only Anthony can. So the drummer from Three Day Special apparently was drumming and vomiting at the same time. And apparently there was also another receptacle there. So I thought this is kind As of a... a drummer, that's kind of this tough. This is kind of a weird Anthony, theme. What you know? do you say? You know, Did you eat, tell your throat I had, story I had, I had to point? stop eating no. burritos before playing live sets because, you know, there's really... There is that imminent danger. Which Joe Cocker apparently has never learned. <laughs> like, in how many years of performing? <laughs> His was all just fish and was chips. It, was it the Arasats Joe Cocker? Or was it the real Joe Cocker? <laughs> well, anyway, so to make a long story quite slightly Longer. less long, uh, uh, we 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 figure that out. Okay, great. I have this like all this like craziness, and you know, got some material. They're nice guys. Um, and it's kind of, it isn't really scary after after a while. So I go back, you know, to my hotel, check out. Great, going to take the Mike Lee party bus back to San Francisco with the tinsel on the railing. Doesn't show. <laughs> Doesn't show, doesn't show. Hour and a half. He, he was, Mike not, Lee he was about to do topsy turvy at that point. <laughs> not <laughs> here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike Lee. Could you imagine the Mike Lee? <laughs> no, this is L E E. Mike Lee. So I go to uh, where else? The local Greyhound mm. uh, station in Reno. And I think, well, uh, I'll just get a, 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 a Greyhound to Sacramento and a friend of uh, mine can drive me back from there. Uh, three hours go by and no bus because of the weather. And it's getting really testy. And so finally, the bus Night does fights. come. I, got, I actually went to another casino and drank three beers just because I'm getting so fed up. And everyone's hot. It's, it's, it's humid uh, in, in the wintertime. You know, that sort of sticky, wet feeling. So Oh, sure. The best bus finally comes. We all pile on. And it's exactly like the bus stories we've heard already. There's and tension. It, there's drugs. There's tension. It's there's completely oversold. The most there's horrible a, way to travel. There's an, 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 there's an enormous fat man. What I would say here is people are, are, bit, people are really drunk on this bus. Uh, no, it was more like people desperately trying to get where the hell they need to go on a holiday. That was yeah. kind of what it was. Mm. So behind me is a, a, a hippie mountain man with a backpack about four feet tall, stuffed <laughs> with something. And his a son with a, with a gesture hat and they've smuggled a cat oh, they've smuggled a cat onto the bus do you so, think they had a body in that so this and the thing, daughter was wearing a jug head <laughs> it looked like a jug head I'm like what the hell you know and then the father and, and the you son you know mountain man dad's not too happy with that kind of like, like son yeah, can we put that in the pack I got a big backpack here we can put that hat exactly. in Let's take your hat why must you embarrass me you, you would think that the guy with the jester hat would just pull out his unicycle and ride home <laughs> In the snow. 
Put the so, chains on the unicycle and go. So we go uh, like this for, you know, every stop, have to stop. The cat's meowing. There's like tension in the air. There's a really fat man up front who fell asleep and then vomited purple, purple oh vomit onto his girlfriend's shoulder. And then I fell think asleep. you're just throwing purple that in as another vomit no, story. No, I <laughs> dime a tap. I was like, he had seen purple haze, the Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> As I was, I was thinking it's this like, is, is it like an all prince. vomit weekend? Because it's <laughs> like, what's with all the vomit in Reno? You know, what? It's, you guys need some better food. So I finally get to Sacramento, and uh, it, it's like hellish because of the bus station. And there's, uh, I, I go to a payphone to call my friend, and she had, she's on her way, but I have to sit there for a while longer. And there's a bald tattooed dude that gets on the phone next to me, and his phone message was such a heartwarming little respite of holiday spirit in the middle of all this that I wanted to read the whole thing uh, that I. Remember Remembered at the time, prepared <laughs> remarks on this device. Yeah, because I can't, I couldn't remember it all, and I think it's worth mentioning his entirety of his phone. You don't want to misquote this one. Yeah. Well, fuck you then. I'm trying to keep out of prison, and I don't need this shit. I swear to God, when I see you, I'll take you out. I will take your head and fucking bash it in. And then he hangs up. <laughs> and then, uh, and a good Christmas chair to all. And the, phone, uh, the phone rings back, uh, and uh, he picks it up and goes, "Fuck you," and hangs up. And then he turns to me and says, pack Belkin, kiss my fucking ass. I'm like, uh, you know, you don't want to engage somebody like that. You're like, dude, I've had a long weekend already, man. I don't need any more. I want there to be Christmas music kind of in the back, jingling along as this is going on. Well, he he gets some more change and he puts a phone. uh, He calls the number again, I guess the same number that he was talking to. And it, it answers and he goes, I'm sorry, baby. And I was like, oh. Oh, what a Christmas story it is after all. Then I uh, then I got to ride back to San Francisco. Exhausted. Mental, <clears throat> what did you say? Mental exhaustion? Ner- mental nervous, nervous exhaustion. Nervous, nervous exhaustion. Nervous exhaustion. Well, well, my story starts with mental nervous exhaustion. Oh, wait and a minute. We have another story. And ends in Sacramento. So this is sort of the perfect segue. Does it have throw up or acid in it? No acid. Okay. Well, you can tell it anyway. <laughs> All right. Oh, well. So my story, again, it, it, it's going to sort of tell the story of this really horrid travel day. But the mental exhaustion leading up to it, I think, just sort of makes made the travel day sort of that much worse. And... And this was a, a trip I was taking on in the July 4th weekend. And back, back at this time, I, had, um, I was working. I was actually, Natalia and I were sharing a cubicle, perhaps at this very time. Where? It uh, doesn't matter. Someplace. Was this like a phone sex scene? Well, you can tell us. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, phone sex scene in CB4. Oh, yeah, you got big balls, baby. Mm, mm. Oh, yeah, you got big balls, baby. Mm. But in any event, you sound I, like you've done that before. I just saw CB4 really on, good on, on, uh, on demand the other night. God, so basically, balls. well, you know, they like, like a bull. One of the rappers is like, you know, like they, they go to they go to visit their friend at his job at the phone sex place, and I don't know, whatever. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was basically working this year-round full-time job, this unnamed job, this, this unnamed well, job, well, a large so- nonprofit <laughs> visual <laughs> arts <laughs> oriented organization. Almost seem like you're afraid to tell us where you guys work. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Why are you holding back? I'm not. Danny? 
<laughs> Natalia, you worked at the same place, right? What was I it? did. I'm what so intrigued to figure out why Danny doesn't want to name it? names. Was it, was it like the national security? You know, eight, what was it? We worked for the CIA. Back in the dot org explosion of the of the mid nineties, Danny and Natalia were riding high with extra oh. boxes of staples and, <laughs> yeah. and I still have some and over here. Thousand count also. boxes of rubber bands. <laughs> awesome. Um, but I, I would basically work, I worked this job, but then I would take a month sabbatical to go work another full-time job. And so basically at the end of June, I was just, I was essentially working two jobs. I was kind of tying up the loose ends at one job, getting someone like Natalia prepped to take over for me. Someone like <laughs> While so getting mean, ready like, for this what other kind job. of like what kind of someone is? She? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you sort of just tossed it out like you know someone who sort of look. Lots like of people her. did her job, you know, so it doesn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice and tense. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening to Nest of Vipers. Now, so it's basically, you know, at the work level, things were very sort of very fried, and then I'd also. In the middle of that month, I made a film, Swinger Serenade, this big 25-minute, 16-millimeter production. Can I just say I ran into Danny's boss at a, uh, what was it, the 50th anniversary of International International Film Festival? Festival. And I saw Danny's boss, and I said to his former boss, I said, hey. And Natalia's former boss. (laughs) And Natalia's former boss. I said, hey, blank. Great. Good news. And she looked at me, and she she looked at me quizzically, and I I said. Like, who the hell are you? And I said, I'm Danny Plotnik's friend, <laughs> at which point she, she t- turned to one side and walked away without saying a word. Right. Anyway, oh, did you have, have a story you were going to tell us? All right, forget it's the backstory. It's the danger of going last. You know we're going to be in full derailer mode, Danny. Payback. Pay you set yourself else. up right. in a bad way. Okay, for, forget the backstory. I'm just going to say I was fried. Work. Home life, artistic life, I was fried. And a friend calls me and says, do you want to go camping on the Yuba River? And my immediate reaction is, no, I don't have time. I have too much to do. But on the other hand, I was like, I'll kill myself if I don't go. So I'm going to go. So I pack up the car, start driving towards the Yuba, three hours away. I get as far as Sacramento and just huge clouds of smoke start billowing out from under the hood. The kind of thing you see in movies or, you know, you laugh at people on the side of the road when you see that. And so I pull um, over and... I um, try to help them. <laughs> I don't know, but that's just me. Yeah, I have a good Sam club oh, sticker please. on the back of my car, Danny. <laughs> yeah, if you had a car. <laughs> Didn't you just take the Muni over here? That's a tiny... That's on the back of my Hot Wheel. <laughs> so I pull over and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I have some coolant in the car. I, you know, put some water in the radiator some coolant Let are you car- alone in the car i'm alone okay what kind of well, car are we talking it's a ford escort 1987 ford escort oh, sorry i asked <laughs> and and so i let the car cool down for 20 minutes and i get back on the road and i make it one more highway exit clouds of smoke start billing up wait is this a three-hour trip to Yuba? how long <laughs> the, the, <laughs> and i'm gonna tell it in Maybe. real time, time. <laughs> So I, I pull off at the next exit, and there happens to be a big truck stop there. And so I kind of pull the Ford Escort onto the you know blocks of the, the truck stop with the 18-wheelers. And um, the guy just kind of looks at my car and is like, uh, you know, we only service trucks here. Pretty much just sort of laughing at my car. And I'm like, look, man, you got to help me out. I mean, a truck, a car, what's the difference? He's like, well, there's a difference, you know. And I'm like... Come on, how hard can it be? And so get it right, city boy. <laughs> and so he, so he, he agrees to take a look at the car. And so I kind of wait around for an hour, and and he fixes it, or he thinks he fixed it. 
And so it's yeah, it's all done. There's just a tube going to the radiator. I had burned a hole in it. And he's like, get in the car. We'll take a test drive around the perimeter and just make sure everything's working good. We take a test drive around the perimeter. Smoke starts billowing out. He's like, look, at this point, it's maybe 3 o'clock on a Saturday. It's July 4th weekend. He's like, look, here's my suggestion to you. Take a cab to the airport. Go rent a car. Go meet your friends up at the river. Come back on Monday, and we'll deal with it then. And at that point, sort of all the exhaustion, the whole prospect of being on a trip that I don't have time to take, all of a sudden is going to extend even farther. And I just look at him, and I say, I can't be here Monday. He's like, oh, I really don't know what to tell you. He's like, because I can't fix this car in the next hour. And I think he had determined I'd blown a head gasket, so I was leaking oil and coolant. And I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. If I'm leaking oil and I'm leaking coolant and I'm at a truck stop, I could buy a case of oil. I could buy a case of coolant and a case of water. And could I drive this back to San Francisco? And every time the car sort of blows its fluids out, could I just refill them? And he's like, well... I guess you could try to do that. And I'm like, all right, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. And he's like, but I would recommend waiting till the sun goes down and it's not so hot because it's, you know, 100 degrees out. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. They couldn't give you like a loaner truck, you know, while they repair it? Well, he, he was trying to make calls to, to get his, his sex offender nephew <laughs> to, to shatter you, uh, tail you at night, <laughs> waiting for the 4.30 a.m. middle of the 80 breakdown. Do you really think that's a good idea at this point? Is this just an epiphany that you have? Like, I'm just going to keep guzzling what? oil or, and coolant in this? Or are you just being stubborn this? for the sake of being stubborn? No, it was one of those, it was like... I mean, again, it was just, I think, part of being so fried and, like, I really didn't have time to be taking the Saturday-Sunday trip and then the notion of having to also be in Sacramento on Monday and not getting home to Tuesday. I thought when was- I was going down to Southern California on Wednesday, like, that was just sort of not I option. think you should have decided to hitchhike. Yeah, I thought yeah. this was yeah, travel stories, not maverick <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It sounds like, you know, that weekend sound would sound very relaxing to a lot of people. <laughs> so now I'm kind of stuck at this truck stop, which I think is this really romantic notion. I'll hang out at the truck stop all day. They're very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Filled with romance. <laughs> oh, and just... I was just, like, pacing the place sort of like a speed addict. Like, I just... I just had to be out Which of there. Which doesn't look weird at a, a truck stop. <laughs> and so at some point, I was like, the sun is not down. It's 5 o'clock. But I've been sitting there for three hours, and I just sort of have to go. And so I start driving. And I realize that I can't really take the car up past 50 miles an hour. So if, I'm, if I go between 45 and 50, everything's okay. Things just start rattling. The temperature gauge starts going nuts at 50 miles an hour. And I will say that if you ever are on a major superhighway with a speed limit of 70 and you're driving 45, it's the most terrifying thing in the world because no one expects you to be going that slow. And so the entire time, cars are just kind of racing up on me and then having to sort of swerve. This is from Sacramento to San Francisco? Yeah. Which is like, if anybody knows, the worst stretch of highway in Northern California. Bumper to bumper. Like... It you know, can be like it, if it were to bumper. bumper to bumper, that would have been okay because people would have been moving slow. They would have but, pushed you along faster. <laughs> yeah, but so I have the windows open. I'm trying to listen to the car. And um, are you leaking stuff all over the freeways? Yeah, single-handedly <laughs> ruining the California environment. Absolutely, and, and proud of it. Oh, the Sierra Club's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> this is not and, looking good. And I make it about 30 miles, and the car starts making its crazy sound. So I sort of pull over. I fill the car back up with oil. I fill it back up with coolant. I go to start the car, and it takes me about five minutes to start the car. It's just sort of not turning over. But I'm thinking, I finally get it started. I'm like, all right, 30 miles. It's a 90-mile trip. I'm just going to have to stop one more time. 
and I'll make it back and everything will be okay. I get another 15 miles and the car starts overheating, doing its thing. I'm like, fuck, you know, now I'm, I'm only halfway there. Do you think that at this point, maybe you just stop, pull over, start a family? <laughs> Just kind of stay there. And Hello, Hello the Dixon. Sacramento, <laughs> Sacramento Airport might have been. <laughs> well, that, that's what the guy had suggested. Go to the take. Go get a cab at the airport. What part of you clung so tenaciously to this Ford Escort? I mean, the worst piece of shit car that Let Ford go. has ever made. I've ridden yeah. in that car. <laughs> I had to get home, you know. And um, so you're making your way back home now. Yeah, you're, I'm making my. I, I've, I've abandoned hope of up. camping. Yeah, there's no relaxing yeah. weekend ahead for you. You're just going. Well, no. I'm, I do know that Chris Ephos, our engineer, is having a July 4th party the next day. <laughs> so I have something to look forward to in life. I remember. Um, and so the car only makes thought it. of calling AAA? The answer is no. <laughs> I had not. And that's going to haunt me in a short while. Were you a member of AAA? Um, yes, I was. <laughs> wow. And not only that. How does that work? <laughs> Where you're a member and something goes wrong and you don't call AAA. All those well, monthly would, dues. Well, <laughs> Not only was I a member what? of AAA, I was, I was, we upgraded to AAA Plus because we had such crappy cars and we drove to LA so much. With AAA Plus, you get 100 miles of free towing. My car broke down 90 miles away from home. And so the pathetic thing was, I could have had my car towed home five hours previous, but instead I'm making this sort of death drive from Sacramento. Is it because you're just kind of tunnel visioned in and you yeah. can't see like anything outside your own like walls of denial? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been there. And so I, I eventually get the car started again and start driving. And I, I have done this stretch of I-80 so many times that I sort of have my mental topographic GPS. And I know there's one giant uphill... <laughs> You know, thing that my car is going to have to deal with, and I realized that D- Danny had an advanced <laughs> mental navigational system. global system in place, oh. but couldn't remember to call AAA Plus. He had you, it implanted. You know what the implant was? That was the day job that he won't talk about, where he was made a, a cyborg, a GPS cyborg. Hey, when I got denied my senior citizen entry to the movie theater, I had to arp on the line so damn fast. Move, movie theater, hit him. <laughs> um, so anyway, you know, I hit this big upgrade. The car, I have to pull the car over. Did you call anyone no. to get help of no. any sort? SOS, <laughs> light question. of fire? Good question. Pre cell phone. Logical question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the kind of person who just makes things difficult for myself at all times. So the car stalled? Doing a good job. So, the, the, so I eventually pull over one more time, and the car is just dead. It won't, it won't start. At which point... <laughs> Hey, maybe I should call AAA. I mean, it's now like 8 o'clock at night. I've been on the road for, you know, eight or nine hours. And at that point, the tow truck comes and gets me. And it's, it's like a flatbed truck. It's like a car carrier. It's the largest truck I'd ever seen. And there's already sort of like a monster truck on it. And the guy's like, well... With this other guy still, and I got to take him home too. And call wait a minute, cr- so they towed your car and the monster truck on the flatbed? Was yeah, it, was so it the guy from the, the automotive place <laughs> later? <laughs> need a lift? Did you did brother. you have to like uh, share the the cab with the monster truck's yeah. driver? Yeah. 
What was his excuse? I can't remember. Can't. So the two of you but, are like jammed in there with the driver. <laughs> on the July 4th weekend. And the thing is that this town Crockett, it's just this, it's kind of this giant hill. And the monster truck was so big and carrying so much weight, it couldn't make it up the hill forwards. So we had to kind of turn the truck around and go up backwards. It was one of the craziest things I've, I'd ever seen. The tow seen. truck did? Yeah. yeah so you're backing was, up a hill no, with a tow a, truck? That's like some like 10 block crazy thing. And at some point... After we get rid of the guy in Crockett and he's taking me back to the city, I'm kind of thinking, on Saturday night, I don't have a garage. Like, no mechanics are open. I don't even know what I'm going to do with my car. And, we, you know, we don't have a garage or a house. I'm like... Let's just dump it in Crockett. <laughs> Good it. idea. And uh, I'm like, well, I don't know where we're going to park our car. And he's like, don't worry, I can double park you. And I'm like, it's a dead car. It's a, it's a truck the size of a city block. And he's thoroughly confident that he'll be able to double park my, or, you know, parallel park my car. Not double park, parallel park it on the city street. I'm like... Whatever. And all the time, too, I'm kind of chronicling. I mean, I'm having such a miserable time that I have to go out and get drunk. And I'm thinking, who can I call? And again, this night is just kind of dragging out. It's 8 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. Anthony wasn't available. Anthony was. I, I, th- I thought Chris Epos at some point. We ended up getting back to the city at 1130. And miraculously, there was a parking spot in front of my house, in front of the loneliest palm. And I run out and I kind of block the spot while he kind of like pulls the truck into Guerrero Street, starts positioning it to do the parallel park of my dead car. And I have to fight off someone for the spot who turns out to be a friend of mine. You know, and in in any case, get the car back, parallel parks it. I go out. I get drunk. The car is dead. I ended up donating it to Jews two days later. Orthodox Jews get my car two days later. And you just found some on the street. I just found <laughs> some. Can you car. take this off you my hand? You look like please? a carless uh, Orthodox Jew. You want a car? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the next day I went to Chris Sifos's July 4th barbecue. And anyway. Have you ever uh, recovered from this? <laughs> no, apparently I haven't. <laughs> Is there a lesson to be learned from this story? Yeah, let's go around the table because I think we forget that there's lessons in all of these stories. So An- let's see, Anthony, what? I thought this was an educational show. It's an educational I will well, never, it's, well, my, ever my, take my, a 56-hour bus trip again. I w- I'm jacking up the amount of hours. I will never, I will never take a 12-hour round-trip car ride between here and Sacramento again. And if I do have car trouble, I will call AAA if I've paid the bill. Uh, I will never try to be clever on assignment <laughs> Reno. <laughs> You'll never try to be clever again. I think being clever on Christmas was your downfall, Jack. I think Santa frowned on you. To travel show, I thought I'd keep it to Reno. What lesson did I learn? That it's pointless to work that hard to... uh don't so, work that don't hard. Don't work that hard. You'll only be disappointed. Yeah. That's right. All right. So I guess kids, that's set know, up can, the life of disappointment. Hard. Yeah. You can work hard in Modesto and deal acid, but don't take a big long trip. <laughs> hey, you can, no. Yeah, you could have like taken. You could have like dropped a tab and laid in a dirt patch and had somebody like hose it down with, <laughs> hose it down with water while blasting a Bob Marley con. <laughs> you could have you could have propped up photographs of Jamaican palm beaches, white sugary beaches. <laughs> You guys are right. I'm never leaving the, the house again, again or the house. I ne- never leave the house again. If we've learned nothing else, can stay I have you guys yours. come over and do that kind of art direction for my, my next trip? My grandmother said to me one time, "Travel. What do you want to travel? What do you want to go anywhere? I've never been anywhere. Look at me." <laughs> you like your grandma too. She's awesome. Lesson learned. Uh, I actually had to stop for a minute. I was like, "Yeah, what?" 
Why travel? Why do I want to go anywhere? Well, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Well, thank you all for being here. This is Danny Plotnick, and you've been listening to the Nest of Vipers podcast. For more information on the show and to leave feedback, check out our website, www.nestofviperspodcast.typepad.com. Also, you can check out movie clips of the music, movies, and other cultural references we make at our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com backslash Nest of Vipers podcast.